Yeah. You're being you're being serious. Welcome, yeah. sir. Welcome, Ben Stein. Where is it? Where is it? Are you in San Francisco? No, he's in Indiana as always. But he was just you telling are. me before we start the show, sir, if you could hear me, he was just telling me that his the guy that gave him his hair used to be an OBGYN. So he went from one end to the other end. And on that note, Ben, you look great. I want to welcome everybody to the world according to that man, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. Um, I want to thank everybody that uh, has downloaded like, the podcast. I feel like you are in San Francisco. Oh, because of the bridge, it's a virtual background, sir. I, you don't don't uh, you know destroy the uh, the imagery of me being. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I never mind. By the way, the scariest bridge I've driven across. But I want to welcome everybody to the world according to Ben Stein. Have you of ever course, driven across that bridge there, Big Sir? That's really scary. No, no I haven't. And um, if anybody ever just wondering what the show is, it's just people chatting and uh, having a good time. And I'm actually in a good mood, I got to tell you. But okay, let's thank the people that are tell watching. Tell me why this. you're in a good mood. Tell I'll tell you why in a second. Mood. Let's thank the people that are watching. Let's thank the people that are listening. Um, remind everybody to download the podcast. We're doing tonight from 93.1 WIBC. Bam, the future of conservative talk radio. That's Rob Kendall. Welcome back as always, Rob. Thanks for having me. And if anybody misses the beginning of the show, Rob has uh, is getting a full out of hair, and uh, we got hair. What is it And you already have a full out of hair, Judah. Yeah, you look dynamite, Roberts. Thank you. It's called We Got Hair What? WeGrowHairIndy.com. And the guy used to be an OBGYN, but now he does hair. And of course, the show... This show wouldn't be complete without writer, provocateur, saint, sinner, lover, husband, father, grandfather, provocateur, but a lawyer, but of course, doctor, America's teacher, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. Welcome as always, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. And I am in a very good mood. And I'll, I'm going to say this. It's nothing to do with a woman. It has to do with oh, the greatest. Get out of town. I, said, I swear to you, we're, we have some. Big news that we're going to be announcing Thursday night that includes you. Um, we'll, on the show Thursday night will be Rob Ben Boychuk and Ken Lacourt from, and we we are taking action on something, and it's very exciting. So Ben is always of the advice: when you're going through it, no matter what, just keep plugging away, keep writing, do as much as what as, as you can do to stay active in your brain, and something good will come from that. And that's Ben Stein's advice. And sir, welcome. That's why you've, uh, you know, you are who you are. Well, God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. And one of the things I really want to get into tonight, I want to talk about tonight is you growing up in an age of counterculture, Ben Stein. Um, we, well, wait, 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 wait. The first part of it of my growing up was the age of conformity and the silent generation. But then after about 66, it became the uh, rebel generation. And say that one more time. Well, from, I was born in 1944. From 44 to about 66, we were the silent generation. We were the quiet, silent generation, except for our rock and roll music. But the, then I think the beginning of everything was the riots in Columbia and uh, that was when the counterculture really started. Uh, maybe a little, maybe a year before that with the uh, demonstrations at UC Berkeley and the free speech movement there. 
so, but one of the reasons I bring this up is because, you know, we the deplorables, we the Trumpicans, we the, you know, the, we the, we the people of the United States seem to now be the counterculture. We're the right. ones. That's right. That's right. It, now, that's exactly. And that's a brilliant observation. Thank you. And it's the craziest turn of events I have ever seen happen this quickly. And if I was there, you wouldn't be eating that yogurt. But um, I have to eat this, I'll tell you, I have to eat this yogurt. I'm hungry. I was I went to a restaurant tonight that wasn't really my kind of restaurant, and uh, so I'm hungry. I, I won't be eating it all the time. There you are. And Rob, what are your thoughts on that? As Ben's eating his? No, 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 no. I want to back up. Your point is an incredibly important point. We now have a situation where what Nixon called the Great Silent Majority is the counterculture and a few so-called intellectuals, wheeler dealers, people of minority ethnic status have become the insiders and the top players. And the rest of us are the great silent majority and we are being beaten up and mocked and humiliated by the beautiful people night and day. And I gotta say something, it's like before I go to Rob, there's something extremely freeing about who we are right now, because we have nothing to lose. We've been silenced, we've been slandered, Rob, we've been called racist. What, give us your best shot now. What do you got for us? What's next in the line of what are you gonna call us? Isn't the, weird, uh, go ahead. Isn't go the ahead. weirdest part of this though, the, the, the insanity from corporations, and I mentioned this because like the all-star game moving out of Georgia to another place that has tougher voter ID than Georgia has. And baseball through back channels is now essentially putting it on these corporate sponsors who said they were going to pull out. And we're seeing this all over the place where these large corporations hate Republicans or hate conservatives to the point where they're willing just to not have their business anymore. I mean, remember Michael Jordan, Republicans buy sneakers too. It's like these corporations are just willing to lose a huge swath of their customer base and they don't seem to care. I don't think that's it. I think the people who run the corporation are cowardly chicken shit guys and gals who are scared of the media attacking them. They're scared of black people attacking them. They're scared of Jewish and so-called intellectuals attacking them. Uh, it has nothing to do with them losing their business. Uh, they're just scaredy cats and they know nothing about what they're supposed to be doing. And I'm going to explain to you about this after I eat this spoonful of yogurt. As we take this uh, quick break, yeah, I'm kidding. No, I'm, 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 I'm okay, kidding, Rob. Go ahead. This, this is really important. But, this is really important. But, but Ben, in the case of, of moving the All-Star game, they took $100 million out of a predominantly African-American community with, in many cases, predominantly owned African-American businesses, and they put it in a place that's like, what, 70 80% white? I mean... It, if you were, I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense if you're- well, but, it does, but it makes sense to them. 92%. They are not very smart. Is it? And yeah. when, the, when the media starts criticizing them, they turn tail and run. They are chickens. They, they have no guts. I mean, these people who run these corporations, you think to yourself, oh, here's Joe Schmeckel. He runs the XYZ gigantic corporation. He must be tough and smart and insightful. No. No, they work their way up the corporate ladder. They're bureaucrats. They work their way up the corporate ladder. 
And they're scared as hell. They're scared as hell of being called racist. They're scared as hell of being called bigots. They're scared as hell, period. And they do whatever is the path of least resistance in terms of avoiding being criticized. I mean, these are, <clears throat> these are the cowardly lions and they do not understand at all what a corporation is. If they move, do something which hurts their corporation and loses customers for them, it means the stockholders lose money. The stockholders are not the Ku Klux Klan. The stockholders are ordinary men and women who have saved up all their lives for their retirement or to send their kids to college. And their stockholders, so stockholders are most of their save, most of their savings. So the people who run the corporation should be doing everything they can to make the stockholders more valuable, not less valuable, but they don't care. They're too scared of being called names. They are betraying their trust. This is really important. They are betraying their fiduciary duty. The fiduciary duty of a corporate executive is to put his or her stockholders' interests ahead of his or her own. That is absolutely basic. They're not doing it. They do not understand what the law of fiduciary duty is. I do understand. I'm a lawyer. I'm an economist. I do understand. I've testified about in dozens of, of lawsuits, testified in front of Congress, in front of state legislatures. These guys have no understanding of corporations are, and yet they're running corporations. It's really, really disgusting. Rob? I just, I find it fascinating. And I guess, you know, Ben's the economist, so maybe maybe he could provide some insight to it. When do people stand up and go, uh, hello, Mr. or Miss CEO, you're losing my life savings. Wokeness is fine until it costs me a whole bunch of money. When does the t when does the pendulum sh shift, and when 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 do they begin? Regular people begin to fight back. Okay, I've got an answer for that, my friend Rob. They a lawyer will come along, maybe Larry Clayman, uh, maybe somebody else, and will sue these guys, and will send them hundreds of pages of interrogatories, and will put them up for seven days of depositions, and will start investigating them all and asking them questions and making them feel awful and making them feel humiliated and exhausted. And some lawyer, any lawyer can do that. Any lawyer worth his salt can do, or her salt can do that. And they, the lawyer should be doing it. This is a chance for lawyers to really come into their own. You know, I mean, Ben, I mean, thank God we have, thank God the world has you because you are able to break this down really simply. Break it down. <laughs> But Rob, you guys, you guys just got done in your town with the with the final four. I mean, you guys did a, a congratulations in, 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 in Indianapolis. You guys had a little bubble. You built it up. But um, Indiana is one of those states, Rob. I got to tell you, you're a hop, skip, and a jump away from being banned. Well, it's fascinating because our governor is super liberal, even though he has an R next to his name, and is doing everything in his power to govern as much like a Democrat as he can, and we'll get into his newest little escapade, I think a little later here in the show, but you're right. And the problem, we've been talking about this this week on the show, we have Republican supermajorities in the House and Senate. We have a Republican governor. All the statewides are Republican. And because the Democrat party is so inept and they feel no pressure from the Democrats, 
they're not fighting for liberty and freedom anymore. They're fighting amongst themselves for their own special interest bullcrap and who can embolden and embrace their special interest donors the most. So you can't even get good government in this case when you have all Republicans. It's scary. It is scary. And here it goes to another crucial point, which is the level of education, especially moral education, has collapsed. People are not taught to do right. When I was a child, you're I'm way, way older than you. When I was a child, we were taught that there was something good and ennobling about doing right to other people. It was called the golden rule. Do it to others as you would have them do unto you. These executives of corporations who move the all-star game, move all kinds of events and signings and entities out of states because they consider them racist and hurt the stockholders. They're not following the golden rule. They're not putting the stockholders' interest ahead of their own. They are putting their own interest ahead of the stockholders. It is A, illegal, and B, morally repulsive. And nobody is holding them to account, but there are lawyers who will do it. In the uh, 80s and 90s, I worked a lot for trial lawyers, um, especially for a firm called Milberg Weiss, uh, who uh, sued uh, endlessly against management who were abusing their own stockholders. Well, I'm sorry to say one of the managers we sued, managers we sued was Donald Trump. And, but unfortunately he had done something fairly seriously wrong, but he cleaned himself up. And uh, we've got to have lawyers like that who aren't afraid to go into court, sign up somebody for, as I say, for seven days of depositions, file a hundred pages of interrogatories, put up all the boards of directors, all the directors on the boards for a week of inter interrogatories and, uh, and depositions. See how, see how much they talk back after that. And by the way, just everybody knows like Ben and my, Ben and myself love Larry Klayman. And um, it's you really know. important that people donate. You mean to ben and I, of course. I know. Thank you, Mrs. Levin. And it's really important that people donate to freedom watch USA.org because Larry really does yeoman's work. Um, Right now, he, he's grand jury. He's doing a citizen's grand jury on Joe Biden, and you could watch that every Thursday. It's actually pretty interesting watching this. But getting back to this, Ben, it almost, and Rob, I want, it almost feels like, and it doesn't almost, it feels like we're at this place where it's, I mean, I don't know what it was like with the Civil War, but we're literally state versus state at this point. And yes, it's, and it's really good. It's really good. It's really good. Really good. Because the Civil War was not a civil war. It was not a war in which the South tried to take over the government and run the whole country. It just wanted to be left alone. Now, that being said, slavery was so morally disgusting, it's unbelievable. It's just incredible how morally disgusting it was. But it was not a civil war. It was a war between the states. And we are having something like a war between the states now. You're completely right. And it's, 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 it, if you're in a state right now that's borderline, you have to be petrified because what they're doing is essentially extortion, Rob. It's blackmail. I mean, let's call it what it is. This is mob. Everything they accuse mob Donald rule. Trump of. Mob ruled by the mob is a yeah. media mob. Media Rob, mob. Every, everything they accuse Trump of, Rob, they're doing. You know, whether from fascism to running, like, to running something like the mob, I have never seen what the extortion that they did with Major League Baseball in my life. Yeah, the it's scariest. 
mean they are. I'm sorry. I, I beg your pardon, Rob. It's up, you're, you're up. I beg your pardon. I beg no, your no. Pardon. Go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. It is frightening how how frightened the corporate power structure of America is. These guys are weaklings. They're punks. These guys are taking are bowing down to Black Lives Matter. They're punks. Black Lives Matter is not a serious organization. It's a fundraising entity to get money from guilty white liberals who have no understanding of where the violence in the black community is coming from. It's just an extortion opportunity. And these people running the big corporations have no understanding of it at all. None, zero. I know know you like him, but I'm just gonna say there are a few of the preachers that must be looking at this right now going, man, if this was only 30 years ago, we'd have hundreds of millions in the account and not, you know, you, those shakedown artists. But on that note, if you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to Ben Stein. I want to thank everybody that's listening um, in the chat. We are reading your chat and it's, we're humbly thanked for all the downloads. Don't forget to download the show too and all that fun jazz and uh, subscribe to Ben's email, uh, to Ben's newsletter, benstein.substack.com. We have some exciting news that we're going to bring to you Thursday night. Um, but of course, tonight we're joined by Rob Kendall from 93.1 WIBC, BAM, the future of conservative talk radio. And of course, Benjamin Jeremy Stein, as always. But as we're talking about this, this shakedown, and I want to get back to the punk thing in a second and, and how we're the counterculture. But I don't want to miss Rob's story that he told me, Ben, today on the phone. It's frighteningly funny. So two, two things. First of all, if I, I just real quick on this comment, the topic we were just on. The scariest part to me that wasn't around during the Civil War was a press that's invested in destroying people and can reach a national audience like that. Look at DeSantis and this Publix thing, where 60 Minutes just makes up a story, alters the inter- the information, they don't care at all, and it takes a Democrat mayor of a major city in Florida to come out and completely rip this thing apart and go, no, this governor didn't do this. He's actually done a really good job. That's scary as hell. It's it's scary as hell, but it's also encouraging. And I want to say that I used to work for CBS News as a commentator on Sunday, Sunday morning show, and the people I work with are great people. And I think they could be taught and listen and learn, and they could learn what's right and what's wrong. 60 Minutes is very much in my heart because they did a profile of me many years ago and made me famous among my parents' friends. But overall, the news media is just a disgrace to humanity. And what I see, is when I turn on my TV, if by some horrible mistake while flipping through the channels, I see Al Sharpton, I think to myself, this country is crazy. If we give someone like Al Sharpton one second of our attention, our respect, we're crazy. We're, we're literally crazy. We should be put in a straitjacket and thrown into a padded cell. And just so everybody that's knows, what's happening all over this country. I'm just sorry, so everybody Brad. knows, Ben and Ben, Ben and me have the have ben the Al, I have the have, thank you, Mrs. Levin, have the Al Sharpton rule that if I'm ever in the same room and something might happen. Ben will gladly bail me out of jail for the night. So that is the Al Sharpton rule. No violence, of course. Just a, um, a, a not fun room to be in at that point. But Rob, I want to get back to your story because Ben, you are going to be shocked when you hear this story. Go ahead, let's hear it, my friend. 
Well, this is talking about how the Republicans have completely given in to this, this cancel culture woke bullcrap. So last year, Indianapolis, like many major cities across the country, got hit with riots. It was the end of May, 1st of June. There were two nights, yeah, uh, Friday and Saturday, back to back. And it's now, of course, come out in large part that the mayor, Joe Hogsett, Democrat, let it happen, uh, gave direction for the police not to stop them. And the governor, who's a Republican, did very little at the time either to the point where these rioters almost got the state capitol. And a couple days after the riots had happened, this guy named Malik Muhammad runs protest that goes from downtown Indianapolis to the governor's mansion, which is up on the north side of Indianapolis, North Meridian Street. It's, I don't know, I'm guessing five or six miles. So he takes this huge group of angry people and they march, like not in cars, they walk for hours and it's on the internet. This angry group of people, days after our city's been destroyed, marching to the governor's mansion, shouting horrific things about police, horrific things they want to do to police, how they're going to storm the governor's mansion, and God knows what's going to happen then. It's like something out of a movie. And you're watching this at the time, in real time, on the internet. This group of, I don't know, maybe three, four, five hundred angry people get to the governor's mansion, and there's a standoff that lasts at least an hour, maybe more, with state police and the Indianapolis Police Department on whether these people are going to riot the governor's, storm the governor's mansion. And they move forward, the police push them back, they move forward, the police push them back, they're shouting the horrific things about the police, horrific things about uh, just a whole bevy of people. And again, this guy Malik Muhammad is leading this, this whole thing. Well, after about an hour, Malik Muhammad decides he's gonna be buddies with the cops and hugs this cop, and they start marching together. And, and he does what? They start marching together. The police start marching with these protesters away from the Capitol. And I'm watching this in real time on the internet, and I told my girlfriend at the time, I said, I said, this is a terrible idea because that guy's a super bad actor and is completely disingenuous in what he's doing, and these police have just legitimized and emboldened a guy that six minutes ago was enraging a group of people shouting death to cops, F cops, you know, threatening to kill people, et cetera, et cetera. So that happens. And everybody, oh, this guy's a hero, this Malik Muhammad, he's this, this great guy. Of course, that's how the media paints it. A day or two later, this Malik Muhammad guy ends up in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the governor at the governor's mansion. Now, there's like one other person and the first lady are, are there. And the governor's doing a photo op with this guy. They're shaking hands. They're meeting together. I'm watching it. This, this is the time going, this guy and the people with him were saying horrific things about cops, things they wanted to do to cops. He threatened to storm the governor's mansion. That has to be a felony of some sort, right? And now you're meeting with this guy and emboldening him. Well, fast forward to yesterday and Malik Muhammad the same guy who led that protest, who was threatening to storm the governor's mansion, whose group of people was saying they wanted to kill cops, do horrific things to cops. It turns out he's not now been charged with attempted murder related to trying to kill police officers in Portland in September and October of last year. So that was in June. That means the governor met with this guy, legitimized him, and within four, the Republican governor of our state, and within four months, he's in Portland doing this.
incredible, incredible, terrifying, and show but shows the incredible terror that white people in America have of black people. I mean, that, let's call let's let's tell the truth. This would be. I happening. thought you were going to say something else, but go ahead. This would not be happening if Mr. Malik Muhammad were white. It's happening because white people in this country are terrified of black people, and yet black people are—they're not creatures from outer space. They're not monsters. They're just people. And for some reason, the elected officials of this country are terrified of them, and they, and they only represent thirteen percent of the electorate. They're far smaller part of the electorate. And Hispanic Americans, nobody's kissing up to Hispanic Americans. What's going on here? Yeah, but Ben, Ben, you raise a greater point, and you know, and you're from the time. I mean, this is the problem with the university systems, right? The university systems have romanticized Trotsky. They've romanticized mass murderers. They've romanticized killers. They've, you know, the, the weather underground is somehow a beacon of some sort of. You know, and Ben, so getting back to it, like the Black Panthers, people like to look at the Black Panthers and now romanticize this group that was murderous, ambushed police officers, were, were, were a murderous lot. And this is who BLM and all these things, all these people have spawned from. It's really frightening, this revisionist history. I mean, I got to tell you, it's... It's very, look I, look, I know all about this. I'm an old guy, Judah. I worked with the Black Panther Party in New Haven, Connecticut, where they were founded. My wife did too. She's a saint, a living, breathing goddess saint. We worked with them. We thought they were great people. They told us they had a free breakfast program, and they would give give money and give food if we gave them money. They'd give food to poor, impoverished Black children so they could have a hearty breakfast before they went off to school. We ran something called the Yale Law School Film Society. We showed great movies. We brought in famous directors. We raised a lot of money, gave it to them. What was apparently, the money didn't go to buy food, went to buy weapons, went to buy drugs. So everything was turned upside down. And yet, and yet somehow the Black Panthers are the heroes now. What happened? Yes, we were stupid. No doubt about it, we were stupid. But we have to keep on being stupid forever. So here's what Rob brought up something really interesting and I, I glossed over. He brought up DeSantis doing the 60 minutes interview. Um, we know Trump made some you know, mistakes going on these shows. When will Republicans realize no matter how good you look in a suit, no matter how well prepared you're going to be, it's going to be a hit piece and there's no point in going there. There's just win loss even though there's a mayor that's come out and defended Rob this, Ron DeSantis, he, it's, in, it's, it's now in the media. They, you can't fight this back then. Why do it in the first place? It makes no sense. Yeah, but the media would go after him and accuse him of things anyway. And by the way, Mr. DeSantis is obviously setting himself up, and rightly so, to be the next president of the United States. But he's not afraid. He should probably, he probably should be afraid, but maybe it is possible that there will be some kind of revolution, not a violent revolution, nobody wants a violent revolution, but a revolution in which people say, we are sick of being lied to, pushed around, humiliated, spat on by the media, by the Black Lives Matter movement. We're sick of this. I, when are we going to get some person of distinction besides Hannity, who's great, 
to say Black Lives Matter is a complete fraud. When is somebody in power going to say that? Will Biden ever say it? Of course not. Of course not. Will Kamala Harris say it? Of course not. When will some important Republican say it? I don't know. Maybe no. never. But and when will Mitch McConnell say it? it? And that's the part of the problem is the narrative with the Black Lives Matter thing, because it, their, 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 their charter is anti-Semitic. Their charter is anti the family. Their charter is, 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 it, it, it could have been written by, by the, it could, it's the same pamphlet. It could have been written by, by Julius Stryker. Yeah, but it, it's like PLO, you know, 101. It probably was written by someone connected with the PLO. I mean, Rob, this is absolutely, that story you brought up, Rob, is absolutely frightening, but it's your state. I mean, when's this governor's time up? Well, he just got reelected because <laughs> the Republicans in this state are phenomenal at convincing other Republicans that if you dare would vote, because look, the, the, the Libertarian here did great. Rainwater uh, got 340,000 votes. It was like 11.7% of the vote. Uh, all from people who were mad at the governor. They were almost all Republicans who had walked away from the Republican Party. But the Republican Party here, the establishment, big government Republicans, of which Holcomb is, you know, the head of the snake, is great at convincing these other Republicans, well, you could throw your vote away on a libertarian, but then you might get a Democrat in here and, well, we know we suck, but you don't want an abortion factory on every corner, do you? They're great at, at using and abusing conservatives because they know the trigger words and the trigger phrases to get them to do their bidding, with they, even though they don't like them. It's crazy. Ben, he raises a great point, and this is what's happened in, in, in really, you know, to the Republican Party. And Remzo's not here tonight, and he's brought up this issue before. Where about, is Remzo? Uh, Remzo's on the run, but he will be here Saturday night. But Remzo's brought up this great point about these two senators, these two hacks in, from Georgia. We all know they, they, they didn't not lose. Um, but Loeffler and Purdue are just terrible candidates. And they're those type of candidates, like that Rob said, they abuse the Republican, the, consti the constituents. They, they, they throw out certain keywords they, and, and just so you'll get their vote. And it came back to sort of bite them in the ass because they sort of lost Ben. And Rob really raised an exceptional point how, how um, it, Republicans are brought to fear by Republicans that are running. We're, I don't know if it's Republicans who are brought to fear by Republicans, but we're certainly in a state of fear. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. You and I have talked a lot, and I've written a lot about how the, the Biden administration should be called the Ministry of Fear, because what we're being told is be afraid, be very afraid. If you don't kowtow to Black Lives Matter, if you don't kowtow to the most violent segments of the African-American community, you better be afraid because either we're gonna kill you or we're going to call you a racist and cost you your job and your family and your friends. They, yeah, they, they, we, are, we are living in a state of fear. We live, and the, and the government is not the White House. The government is, is not the big networks. The government is the ministry of fear. Uh, I, can, I come, can I come back to this Malik Muhammad story here for a second? Yeah, as long as you want, it's a great story. So there's two really important things, because I start asking the question, look, I despise Governor Eric Holcomb, but I don't want anything bad to happen to my governor, whether it's Democrat, Republican, whatever. We never want something violent or bad to happen to our governor. And having interviewed governors before, I worked for the state of Indiana under Mike Pence. I know how hard it is to get a meeting with the governor, 
there's a huge part of me, and Ben, you know this, you work with, with and for heads of state. How the hell does this guy, who you clearly know what he is, get a one-on-one -on -one meeting? Ben brought it, Ben said it the best. Uh, because the governor and everybody else is, are And we've lost Ben. We, not you and me, or you and I, but uh, the governors, the power brokers are terrified of the blacks. The blacks, the blacks wanted to be treated the same as everybody else and have the same legal rights as everyone else. Now we have a totally different situation where their 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 preferences and their uh, power is wildly on a per capita exceeds basis exceeds their numbers. You guys both raised great, great points. And I want to get back to this quickly afterwards because it's what I started the show with about being free. If you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to Ben Stein. I want to thank everybody that's listening to the podcast I mean, in, the, in the chat and is chatting away and having fun. We appreciate it. Um, we also appreciate when you download the show. It's very helpful and give us a five-star review. Um, and also remind everybody to get Ben's newsletter, benstein.substack.com. It's great content that comes out in it. Um, we're joined tonight by Rob Kendall, who's got more hair every, every time you see him, um, from 93.1 WIBC. I, I just can't get over the fact that you're a guy that does your hair was an OBGYN. Um, talk it's about, great, isn't it? it it's, yeah, that's great. It's wonderful, True, true story. So, so he's chatting with me. So uh, can I tell the story real fast? It's, a, it's an incredible story. So you walk in there for, you know, it's not a super major surgery, but they're cutting your head open. So, you know, that's kind of a big deal, right? And the guy walks in and he goes, uh, he knows what I do, obviously. And he knows this is a, an advertising deal for the radio station. And he comes in and he goes, uh, hey, he goes, man, I, I'm excited to do this today because I don't get to talk politics with many people, but I know I can talk it with you. And so he sits there for 20 minutes and starts going off on politics. And it's like, shouldn't you be focused on, you know, cutting my head open? Shouldn't you... It, it, just so you know, that happens with any time I've had that experience, Ben's had that experience, anytime we go somewhere or somebody and we're in, there's a private, Ben has a, I don't want to say what doctor, but he's, he's very old and Ben is his favorite patient. He's, I mean, really old. And because he closes the door, he closes the door and he starts talking politics and, and it's like this reprieve for him. And and it's 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 absolutely maddening. But I want to get back to this counterculture thing because it, Ben, it goes to what you're saying and it goes to what Rob's saying. At a certain point, conservatives have to realize there's a freedom and just we're racist, we're deplorables, we're the worst of the worst. You know what? Let's let's build from there. You, you you've thrown at us your best your best shot, Ben. What worse things could we be called and be free? Stop kowtowing to people because it doesn't work. All that stuff. And if they just take that lesson of a DeSantis, of, of a Trump, and say, screw you, I'm a racist, whatever you want me to be, you're going to call me. Why can't they be free? Do they, ben, you, you're, what is it? What is it? I told you before, it's fear. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, what's the worst that could happen? They can, well, I'll tell you the, the, what they're afraid of is that some black person is going to kill them. That's what they're afraid of. What they're afraid of after that is that the black people will form a block with the uh, liberals and the dopey housewives and gender fluid people uh, and also dopey house husbands. 
and uh, and will vote them out of office. They're scared. I mean, they're scared to death. They're they are they are afraid. It's the whole government is now the minute the whole country is now the ministry of fear. I've lost my audio. I, I want to bring up something else that's that people that is getting really glossed over, and it goes into this is that California, the geniuses they are, uh, basically said if you claim to be transgender, you can go to in your male, you can go to a female prison, and two hundred and fifty five. If you're a male prisoner and you say you're transgender, you identify as transgender, you can be brought to a female prison. So as of today, they have 255 petitions on their desk from prisoners. And I can only imagine that number is, is I mean, well, why wouldn't the whole male population now at this point, Ben, say they're transgender and end up in a female prison? Well, they would, they probably will. I mean, they're, they're these people, I think what we've seen about these people is that we, we, don't, we don't like them very much, but they're not stupid. They are maximizing their utility. And their utility is much greater by being in a female prison. They're less likely to get killed and they're more likely to have sex. So they're maximizing their utility. Is it my, is it my turn? <laughs> yeah, you go for it, Rob. So, so the, and Ben, you can speak to this because you spent so many years around these people. And this has always floored me, the need to be liked isn't that a big part of it? it the, the, and it's like I've always, when I was elected, and then when I worked in politics, I've got enough friends. Like I didn't like hardly any of the people I was around there, and I wouldn't have ever wanted to be friends with them. But it's like these people need to be liked by these people that they're around, and that's really weird to me. I think it's I think it's more basic than that, my friend. Yes, we all want to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked, but they're I think they are physically afraid. I think they they are afraid. I mean, they 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 saw these riots last summer. They saw black people throwing things at the police. They saw black people setting things on fire. And they thought, I don't want to be, I don't want to have somebody throw a Coke bottle at my head and kill me. I don't want to have somebody set my house on fire and kill me. They're scared. They're scared. We have, a, we have an America where the ruling class is running scared. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're, 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 you're completely right. We're, we're, but I want to get back to this thing, sort of, Ben, where we touched upon with the Civil, with the civil War. And I look at states like it, it's it's there. There's a limited number of states that the, you know that Democrats are going to constantly be throwing business towards at this point, right? So you have states that aren't going to accept the trans laws. You have states that are are are, are going to go harder on voter ID and registration. So basically, all these states right now that are passing these laws have the have the fear of God in them of losing of losing capital. And like I said, that's extortion. It's, it's, it, it, it's on the biggest scale I've ever seen. What, what is your suggestion to these states? Because you brought up lawsuits before. Can't Georgia, if they were normal, file a lawsuit against Major League Baseball for $100 million? Well, why can't they file? What I would say rather than that, if I may respectfully say this, instead of that, the state of Georgia has huge, gigantic pension funds for the employees of the state of Georgia. Why don't they sue these corporations for breach of fiduciary duty through the management of these corporations for breach of fiduciary duty for not maximizing the value of their shareholders, shareholdings by countdowing instead of the Black Lives Matters? Why, why can't they sue over that? 
No, I mean, I, I, I just, I, it's like we, we all woke up in a place that we don't recognize. And it's actually, it's absolutely a frightening thing. But again, I get back to this, Ben. There, I, I wish more Republicans and everybody that's listening thinks the same thing. We look at the Mitch McConnells and these jackasses there, and we and we and, and it's it, it's almost like if you if you've been a, a fan of a terrible sports team and the general manager just stays there for fifteen or twenty years, knowing that the team is so so. And right now, I got to tell you, Ben, the conservative party, the Republican Party, is at best so so. And our general manager, Mitch McConnell, so it, 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 he's getting to the it's getting to the point, Ben, they have to do something. We have to do something because he doesn't represent the people. No, he doesn't represent the Republicans I know in North Idaho or even in, or even in uh, South Carolina or even in uh, uh, Southern California. Uh, I, I like Mitch McConnell. I, I think he's done good, very good work in many, many areas, and I actually like him. But I think we need somebody a little more rough and ready to take the fight to the enemy and to explain what's going on here, and to explain that the heads of Coca-Cola, the heads of Delta, the heads of whatever other corporations got on the case of the uh, about the uh, baseball game, uh, that, that, that those people can be sued. And I want to tell you something. I've been sued, and I've been part of a lot of lawsuits. It is really torture to be put in depositions week after week. It is really torture to have hundreds of pages of interrogatories to fill out. Why those are weapons we have. Why so my question use them? So my question to you, and I think everybody wonders this, is you have a Senate right now. There are 50 Republican senators. Why can't, you know, to quote Brokeback Mountain, why can't they why can't they quit Mitch? At a certain point, there are some well, senators. Sorry, their friend. Yeah, but Ted Cruz, people like Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Holly, Cotton. There's enough of them, Rob, at this point that they could actually can't they put a vote up? Yeah, uh, that I, I think there are enough of them to put a vote up. Uh, and uh, but what but what good would it do unless they got somebody who was like a Trump-like figure who was willing to go out and fight? I mean. How many people do we have in the Republican Party who are really willing to go out and fight? Maybe four or five, right? What, yeah. what, what's, the old say, what's the old saying? If you come for the king, you better not miss or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right, 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 right. And, and, and if I could put a little spin on this, I interviewed a guy yesterday. He's a state rep here in Indiana who's, you know, Billy Badass, Johnny Tough guy on social media about how much the Republican, he's a Republican, but how much, ah, the Republicans, they've led us down on this and that, and we're not reining the governor in, and we didn't pass constitutional carry, et cetera, et cetera. So I had him on for another topic yesterday, and he's talking about all these things, but then he talks about what a great job this guy named Todd Houston, who's our Speaker of the House, is doing. And I told the guy, I said, wait a second, how can you on one hand say the Republican Party sucks on all these things, but all oh, the Speaker of the House is doing a great job, when he is in charge of the Republicans in the House of Representatives, and of course he won't answer that question because the answer to that is he doesn't want to lose his power and he's not gutsy enough to come at the king. Nobody's, no, there are not very many people who are gutsy. There's got to be a little knot of people. Let me back up. AOC, this woman from New York, and her pals, a tiny little number of people, but full of energy and fearless, have changed the character of the Democrat Party. We need people like them in the Republican Party 
full of guts and fearless and not afraid of anything to change the character of the Republican Party. I, I got to tell you, there are quite a few of them in the House, or they appear to be. You have, I think, Stefanik, you have Jim Jordan, you had Matt Gates. I don't know where we stand with him at this point. But um, in the Senate, Ben, that's where we run into a major issue because, yes, Mitch McConnell has done certain things, but, you know, when he did it with the Merrick Garland thing and he's done a few other things. But at this point, Ben, we need new leadership. I don't I mean, and, and, and you love Tom Cotton. You love Holly. We've spoken about Rand Paul and this and, and, and these people. There are people that are in that we have. At what point does Mitch McConnell, and I know it's all about power with him, and he's in the Peter Schweitzer book with him and his wife, how much money they've made from China. At what point do, 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 do the, do, does the Senate say, we're voting you out, Mitch? You, you could stay, stay as long as you want. You and Mitt Romney could have fun together, but we're done with you at this point. And there comes a certain point where these Republicans, because if they don't do this, Ben, they will lose voters. But they won't do it because at a, you're, you're talking about the long game and the short game. And in the short game, everything's about being friends with Mitch. And he's got a lot of power and babies to dispense. Why fight with him? Unless you are really, really revved up like AOC and the squad and their power. They are the model that we should be learning from. I, I, then I have a question. I have a question for you because you know how all these Congress people act. How many of them actually are deviants and weirdos? You mentioned Matt Gates. How many of them are? I bet most of them are. I don't, we, don't, we don't know that he's a deviant or weirdo. He's accused of being that. He's accused of being that. I know. I like exactly we assume. But he's asking, Ben, what he's asking is saying. the sordid secrets. How, how, well, how? But everybody has sordid secrets. I mean, there, there's nobody who doesn't have sordid secrets. The human being is conceived in sin and has a, is a sordid be, in being. By the way, in, in uh, Matt Gates's defense, if people don't know this because this wasn't wildly reported, um, there was a, the Washington Examiner actually had a piece today where they pretty much posted um, where they where they have the document from the from the bribe from the from the uh, scheme to get twenty five million dollars from him, and the guy that's from this firm. I believe he did 10 years in prison that wrote this form. So Matt Gates, listen, loves women. I'm not going to, until, until there's evidence to the otherwise, he's still a congressman. But one thing we know for sure at this point almost is that it was a, a shakedown. And, and, and they were trying to extort his family out of $25 million. So we almost have absolute definitive proof of that. And I think it's very important to share that. And if you just tuned in, you are listening to the world according to Ben Stein. I want to remind everybody, um, first of all, I'm, I did a podcast with simplelifenow.com, Gary Collins. You can download it. It's called To Live and Date in L.A. It's exceptional. I encourage everybody to get that. Or in my case, not living and dating in L.A. And uh, I encourage everybody. I have to leave to for just a second. I'll be right back. I am not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'll be right and back. Ben's, and, and, and we were... And, I encourage everybody to download the podcast. It was fun. Um, but also, I encourage everybody, you could stream um, Rob's show every day. Tell people where they can stream it, Rob, until Ben comes back. Nine until noon, weekdays, The Mock and Rob Show, 93.1 WIBC, WIBC.com. And on that note, welcome back to the world according to Ben Stein. We are minus Ben for a second, but we're with Rob Kendall. I want to ask you, I mean, you, you constantly bring up this Indiana thing, and I imagine like it's, it's like a smaller mansion in Indiana where the governor lives. 
Like, yeah. you're, like the size of the mansion should go by the size of the constituency. And I sort of see Indiana being like a smaller mansion, sort of like a, like a, like a, like a, like a brownstone. Yeah, it's, it's a nice house with a garage and a gated lawn. I mean, you know, it's, it's multi-story. It's, uh, you know, it's well-constructed. But, uh, but here, so here's what's interesting about all this. And one of the reasons that, to come back to this, this Malik Muhammad thing is so crazy is because about a month before the riots, a group, probably, I don't know, 500 people gathered on the governor's lawn. Now, when I say the governor's lawn, it's outside the gated area and all legal, they were within compliance and they held a protest saying, we want our jobs, we want our businesses reopened. They didn't want anything special. This was when open lockdowns had started. And he comes out the Monday after that or whatever it was, Wednesday after that in his, in his weekly press conference and they asked him about it. And he called the people, Judy, you'll love this, a human Petri dish. That's what he called the people who peacefully protested the point they picked up all their trash when they left. So he calls those people and won't meet with any of them for over a year now, a human Petri dish, but he meets with this Malik Muhammad guy who now we know uh, is accused of attempting to kill cops in Portland. And at the time, at the very least, let an angry, very large group of people who said they were ready to storm the governor's mansion. What the hell is going on here? I also love that this is like, because you're right, this is, is this is a huge story. It should be reported all over. Sadly, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's in a tiny little state like uh, it, it, where you are, but it should be getting reported. It's not getting reported. Um, and it's, 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 it's terrifying. I, I, the capitulation that's going on. And that's why I brought up this thing about us sort of being the new punk, the new, the, the, the new, because there's a freedom right now that we could say whatever we want. You do a radio show six days a week. You're essentially given pretty much where you could say whatever you want. And it really bothers me. And it bothers people in the chat that more people don't realize they have the ability right now to scream. They could say whatever they want. What's the worst case scenario? Is your call a racist? And I, and I guess this is very hard for our generation. You're a little younger than me to understand. Is this need to be liked or this need to be loved? It's such a it's such a foreign thing for us to think about. Like, wouldn't you be rather be respected? You know, it's like that Bronx Tale type thing. Isn't it be better to be respected or feared than it is to be to, to have that? Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, I think Ben's coming back, but... Uh... Yeah, coming back, and I was trying to tell you, just hearing a name, Al Sharpton, I'm seeing an image, made me sick. Sorry. Are you all right? I'm all right, but please don't ever mention that name again. You brought him up, by the way, just for the, just I know, for the I, record. I, I know it was my fault. And, and please don't bring up the name of Malik Muhammad and uh, Ben, you were missed in the time gone. No, but, no, but, but Ben, Richard Nixon, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't need to be, I mean, he, I'm sure he would have wanted to be loved, but he didn't need it. He, he had an agenda. He set, forth, he set forth with it. He took a bunch of abuse, more abuse. Terrible uh, abuse. More terrible abuse, abuse than anyone else would ever have to take ever in history. Other than Trump, maybe. Um, I think Trump. No, even more, even more abuse. Well, no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're and right, so, you're right, you're so, but I want to. What, what, what? Why can't more Republicans learn 
from the Nixons, from the Trumps, why, the people that actually got the prize. Well, Nixon that, was a remarkable man. I mean, Judah, 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 Judah. Nixon was a remarkable man. Mark, it, it, it's just, no, no, no. Nixon was a remarkable human being. I just today, this afternoon, had the incredible pleasure of going out to Mount Vernon where George Washington lived. I'm not saying Nixon was George Washington. Clearly he wasn't. But he was a man who was fearless in terms of doing what was right. And he did what was right. And he changed the whole world, even though he was hated and abused. He saved Eretz Israel, saved them. There would be no Israel without Nixon. Yet the Jews kicked him in the teeth over and over and over again. He made more progress on civil rights than any other Republican president ever has. Black people kicked him in the teeth over and over and over again. He did what was right. He was not afraid to do what was right, even if he got, even if he got in trouble. We meet, need more like him. There aren't many. And that's, and that's really the maddening thing. I mean, that's what it's like we could keep beating ourselves up, but that's the maddening thing. I really do want to look into for next show what this what the Senate rules are because we do have it in the House. We have a strong House, Rob. I think we have a, we're fairly strong. They're fairly young. They're fairly. We have a good House going. The problem is is in the Senate right now. Is is we have Republican leadership and that is you know frightening. You have Mitt, you know you have the Mitt Romney's. You were doing so well and not saying no. It was unbelievable. I know, but you got up and it threw me off. So yeah, the I'm lesson, sorry, I'm sorry. The lesson right. for not saying you know is I'm not sorry. to get is not to get I'm up. Sorry. And make just, me, just felt sick. Sorry, it's okay. We we've all been there. You know me more than most. Um, but I want to get back to this really quickly. Um, I, somebody keeps on asking me about something with uh, hyperinflation. I, I How come I never get to see the chat? By the way, well, because you're not in uh, YouTube. And I guess somebody out there has a very, very big fear of us hitting hyperinflation or taxation, the cause of inflation from taxation. I don't know. I'm not an economist. Yeah, I don't think that, that concept, uh, if, if, if this gentleman or gentlewoman has that concept, uh, he or she has it to himself or herself. Okay, well, there you are. I might have asked the question incorrectly, but you seem to have asked it in the chat quite a few times. Um, I could just be a terrible reader. But I want to get back to this, um, how the counterculture thing, Ben. Because you're, you're in Washington right now, uh, Rob's in Indiana, obviously I'm in California right now. When, you know, in the, 80s, in the 80s, by accident, we had a fantastic counterculture in a weird way with, with uh, Reagan and greed and, and, and sort of like this romanticism of, of, of a different time. It was, it was the 80s were a lot of fun, I got to tell you, you know, as growing up in the 80s, Ben. But we as a Republican... I, well, you know, I'm just, uh, I said it again. Just, and, yeah. Let me just tell you something. The 80s were a lot of fun. The 60s were a lot of fun. 70s were a lot of fun, except, except for the killing of Nixon. That was not fun at all. But uh, we used to have better moral characters running this country than we have now. I mean, think of the moral character of the people we have running this country now. They bow down to rioters and demonstrators and killers. I think Rob's story is incredibly, unbelievably important. It's an unbelievably important story. We've got to remember that story. The politicians of this country are such cowards. It's unbelievable. And so stupid, it's unbelievable. And we follow them. You know, you brought up a great point right now 
without even realizing it. And um, both of you did. It was fun. It was fun. It it was fun. Are people actually enjoying themselves right now? You know, are these people on the left right now enjoying themselves? Does this, I mean, they look miserable. They, they have everything they could have they ever. Miserable. It's like they got everything they wanted and they're still miserable. And I, I, it shows don't, don't, you know, you get what you want and you're still miserable because if you're not fit inside and you're, we all know they're mentally a little unstable, Ben, but they have everything they want and they're miserable. They're angry. You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometime, you just might find you get what you need. But Ram, let me ask you a question, Rob. Have you ever met somebody on the left that's actually overjoyed right now that you walk around with, you know, that shares these viewpoints that, you know, that loves BLM, that all this stuff that's actually happy huh, right now? That's funny. That's funny. I do actually have some relatives who respect BLM and that I find so unbelievable. I can't even start to describe it. We, we, we talk about this on the air quite a bit, and I've come to the conclusion that you can't really be happy because that, that monster of hardcore leftism, socialism, communism, whatever you want to call it, it, it's like a black hole. It just keeps eating itself, and it has to always get bigger and bigger and bigger and find new people to hate because hate in many facets is what fuels it. Very Hate is what they eat. Hate is their diet. That is excellent. In 1984, when people are bored, the uh, government would have a two-minute hate. Hate, 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 hate. Then they'd show a picture of Big Brother, and people would be calm, and they'd hold up their hands like this. Hate, hate, hate. Yes, that's what Black Lives Matter is selling us. Hate, hate, hate. I mean, it's a real... And you spoke about an industry before. That's the industry. That really is the industry. And somebody brought up in chat, they're so miserable, they want to make everybody else miserable. And it's, it's Ben, it's, it's really this frightening thing that, um, that people don't want other people to have joy. I mean, people don't want people to, to, to ex- there is no experiencing life anymore. We're going to have a lot of, and I brought this up on, with somebody else, I brought, we're going to have a lot of unhappy women. In, and we've spoken about this on the show before, because people aren't dating as much, they aren't interacting as much, we are gonna have a generation of lost in space or lost in something. I gotta tell you, it's very frightening. People try to put us down just because we get around. Things they do sound awful, awful guys, awful something or other. Hope I die before I get, awful cold. Hope I die before I get old. Sir, we're gonna have to be the happy warriors. We're going to have to be the happy warriors. It's up to us. Um, yes, we are. And I want to remind everybody, we have a really big announcement because, and, and, and I can't say this enough, the biggest thing that people ask us about is solution. We are working as a team on, on, on a solution that we think is going to have a great impact on something. Rob's going to be a part of it. Ben's going to be a part of it. Ken LaCourt from Media Action Network. We're hoping Ben Boychuk joins on board. And we're, we're actually, and we're going to be discussing this Thursday night because it is about solution and we shouldn't have to live like this. And I got to tell you, it, it's, it's it, the reason I'm, I'm in, in a good mood is because I'm thinking about this, but it's also, I, I like to, I, the one thing Ben I miss about Trump more than anything is him trolling them back. 
I miss that. I miss them, them not getting away with stuff. I miss that, 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 that he was our greatest troll. And um, we, 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 we miss him greatly. I know Rob, you were his close friend. And, um, and on that note, but I want to thank everybody. I know Ben's getting tired. I know uh, it's been. I'm very, very, very tired. I'm tired of having to be in a country where people take Black Lives Matter seriously. I'm tired of that. So what? So so we should change the name to <laughs> to something else, so you don't get upset. We'll change Al Sharpton's name. We'll change change the name of Black Lives Matter, so to put you in a better mood, we'll call it uh, BLT, um, and uh, and Sharpie. And on that note, I want to thank everybody that's been listening in chat. You've been great. Um, uh, and we really appreciate everything. Um, Ben's in Washington D.C. now. It's it's rather late there, and you have the, you have the vigor of, of Dillinger, and um, I, 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 I I truly commend you for that. Um, I want to remind everybody to download the podcast on Apple, wherever you're downloadable. I want to remind everybody to come back Thursday night and give us a listen. We have a really exciting show for you. I, I can't tease it more. Benstein.substack.com. Rob, tell people where they can find you. 93.1 WIBC, WIBC.com, weekdays, 9 to noon Eastern. Um, and we'll see you. Um, we have a fan right now in Tyler, Texas. Um, good luck. Safe travels, our friend. You can find Ben on Parlor at Benstein. And you can also find him at spectator.org. Read his columns. They're amazing on a daily basis, or pretty much daily basis. It's Ben Stein's diary, daily diary. And Ben, you want to sing us out? Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. A long way from home. That's all for tonight. Goodbye, everybody. Have a nice evening.